Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. You said this is a comedy class, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is what comics do, and this is what I did. We overthink things, we get in our head, and we uh, we make this game harder on ourselves than it is. Mm. You know, just know if you first start, you're gonna be terrible, and accept that. You know, some people won't be, but a lot of people will be. So just accept that, and that you're gonna don't beat yourself up every set. Just you'll get better if you do. The main thing I would tell people is. Hot breath. So the show is basically. Well, I appreciate you doing this. No, no problem. Um, it's all like comedy education, pretty much. No like, way. The listeners are all comedy fans and just comedians out on the grind. Mm -hmm. Can't go into too many details on just your process and how you got to where you are and mm -hmm. tips for comics and things fans may not know. All right. I know you have a lot of knowledge that people haven't all the way tapped into, so this is going to be an opportunity to do that. Good luck finding out that I don't. <laughs> Good luck finding out that you don't have knowledge? Yeah, yeah. One of comedy's <laughs> most sought-after writers has no knowledge? None. <laughs> so let me, welcome, let me uh, give you a proper intro. All right. Hot Breathiverse, welcome back to the Hot Breath Podcast. It is I, your host, comedian Joel Byers. If you do enjoy today's episode, today's episode, which you will because our guest is one of the most sought-after comedy writers in the game, please, all we ask, like, share, subscribe, share this with your other comedian brethren and sisterin, share this with people you know that love comedy and love learning, because this one today is going to be a master class on comedy writing and also following your instinct in this game. My guest today, his comedy career actually started in the Burger King drive-thru where he would tell jokes to customers until one day a customer is like, hey, you should try comedy. And the rest is history. He is now one of the highly demanded comedy writers. He's written on SNL, Two Broke Girls, Blackish, just to name a few. But all that success did not come without the comedy grind he had in New York City. Living in his car that had holes in it, I believe. Had holes in the floor? Yeah. Your car? To now becoming where he is. But what I mean while him following his instinct is he's been in all these great writer's rooms and all these great comedy stages. But he actually quit Two Broke Girls to then write for Blackish to then quit so he could pursue stand-up full-time all the way to the extent that he actually turned down another TV writing gig on Lil Rel's show so he could actually pursue the craft of stand-up even more. So he is now coming out with a special July 11th? 12th. 12th. Yeah. July 12th. So sorry, I need to do my research. But you're definitely going to want to take notes on this one. Tune in, turn up. That is not our catchphrase, but today it is. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hot Breath of Verse, Mr. Ian Edwards, everyone. Uh, what's up, Joel? Why am I even here? You just told him everything. <laughs> no, I told him the context. You don't, you don't need me. But the, see, now, now they know. I used to try to like weave in my research into conversation, uh -huh. but I've learned that if I just get it out all up front, right. now the audience has context for all yeah. this education you have is. I only lived in my car for like three months. <laughs> Living in your car at all, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, you make it sound I, so easy. Yeah, it was easy. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. What was the worst of it? Like, where'd you eat? Where'd you shower? I what? slept in a Pathmark parking lot. That's a 24-hour supermarket in, uh, in New York. Mm -hmm. So there's people coming in and out and turn on the car for heat. <laughs> and uh, I had a friend in the back seat. He was homeless too. What? Yeah, he got into it with his parents too. <laughs> so he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't the state. So and then uh, I dropped him off at Nassau Community College because he went there and he showered there. And I would go to another friend's house and shower. And then food. You just, I'm never home anyway, so you just eat the food. You know, you go out and you get you know food. Yeah. <laughs> okay, with what money? If you're living in a car. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're broke. It just means you don't have a place to live. Oh, you just okay. can't afford a place to live. Yeah. Okay. Because I just, 
I just like got into it with my parents and then left home. I said, fuck it, I'll just stay in my car till I find a spot. Uh-huh. Yeah. It worked out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is this all while you're doing stand up? Yeah. Like in New York? Yeah, yeah, in New York. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what I what I would like to even dive into is I, I did learn in researching you, you talked about like studying comedians while in New York and like seeing someone like Chris Rock work out a bit from just saying it or reading it to mm-hmm. now seeing it on a special. Right. And you, you talked about being able to watch a comedian in the right way to actually study them. And what do you mean learn watch a comedian them. in the right way? Well, you would watch like a Richard Pryor and like Bill Cosby and actually right. be studying their moves as opposed to just listening for the joke. You're actually well, studying how they're funny. Well, you just pick up things from them. Mm-hmm. Like, like I look at Richard Pryor and the first thing that stuck out to me more than anything was originality. Mm. And I was like, well, how, why is he original? Obviously, because he's talking about his life. And then that led to me thinking that, you know, realizing probably f- for the first time or at an early age that every person is an individual and we've all been through, even though we're all human and we're all connected, we're all the same, that we're all different. Mm. And then if you bring the different parts of you on stage then you won't be sound like everybody else so so that gave me the you know watching richard Pryor, because i can't do characters like he can but i can be myself like he he was and so watching richard Pryor taught me that also watching richard Pryor and bill cosby taught me good storytelling and structure mm-hmm and then I'd watch other comics, and I see that they'd have one-liners, and then it was easy for me to write one-liners at first too. Like you, you just get a sentence, like uh, or like if somebody like there were comics that would like turn facts into jokes. Like I had a like so I just started trying to gather facts at first. Like uh, like one fact was like most car accidents happen within 10 miles of your home. And I'd be like, I haven't been in an accident in years. I just parked 20 miles from home. <laughs> you know, so you just you figure out a way, uh-huh. you know, like that. But then you're like, shit, how many one-liners? I need 50 one-liners. Right. But then I realized, oh, you just take the topics and keep tagging them. You know what I mean? You just keep tagging them. And then, so, so like I have a shark attack joke. That was just, it's a bit, if you see it's a bit, but it was just one line at first. Hmm. So then I realized, let me just, there's, there's more meat on the bone. Just circle around it, study it, look at it. And what other thoughts come to my head from looking at this one line or this one fact? Oh, let me find out some more shit about sharks. Let me, let me, let me uh, watch the whole story on the news and find out more about the story. Saw the girl's press conference. So then I kind of made jokes about the press conference and then oh, how I feel okay. about, about what, what what I would do if I was her, what my reaction would be. And then you just, then it becomes a bit. Do you have a formula for surveying a topic where you're like, okay, let me hit it from the girl's angle. Let me explore it from my angle. Maybe the news's angle. Like, do you have almost like a checklist you go through when doing that? Nah, like, like even like a, sometimes I turn a tweet into a bit. Okay. So then I just, sometimes you just come up with a joke sometimes you see the topic and then you and you uh figure out the joke you know what i mean but once you figure out the joke you keep looking research the topic some more you can google stuff or some some words like you'll read a word in a a paragraph and that stands out and he's like let me find more the meaning of that word Mm -hmm. and then you just keep digging and then more shit comes out and then sometimes if I want to write a joke about a topic, I'll just vomit. I'll just, just write anything that comes out about it. Don't even think about it. Just write anything that comes out about it. And then in there will be something. You clear out. All, there'll be something. And then then you do it again on that something. And you, there's something. And you just add up, come up with a bunch of shit. And is that something, a phrase or a single word? Phrase, or? word, anything. Uh-huh. Yeah could be a slang word you know i have a joke about fuck boy you know mm-hmm. it's just a slang word you know and i just thought about how different that word meant something else when i was a kid 
or mm-hmm. when I was younger and what it means now. And then I made, made a joke about that and it's in a special. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. And it's a whole bit. But it grew from you just free writing about fuckboy, finding some funny things with Well, that I was riffing. As a matter of fact, I was riffing with Jermaine Fowler. Like somebody had called him fuckboy in a tweet. Oh, okay. And then he, he, we were at West Side Comedy Club in the green room and uh, he, he read that off and then, uh, then that just came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And w- will you take note when things pop up? How do you... Sometimes, you know, yeah. I write it? stuff in my phone so I don't forget it. Like uh-huh. I used to think I remember everything and then after years of not <laughs> writing down anything and right. not having new material because I, I would write down everything or mm-hmm. you make the voice record message to yourself. Now I have this thing where I just text to myself. I'll do that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So you'll do free writing. Are there any other techniques you'll use in writing? Uh, there's yeah. I use all the techniques. I'll stand in the mirror and go over shit, and then because you're just by yourself, you're freer to improvise. You're not waiting for an audience to tell you that the joke is done. Mm-hmm. So you'll go further than you normally would in front of a bunch of people. At least I do. I'll sit down and write. With either a pen or type uh, conversations, like when I first started, when you you mentioned about the Burger King thing, mm-hmm. uh, when I first so once I decided I was going to do stand up, I realized where am I going to get material from? So anything that I would say to somebody that was funny and they would laugh, I'd write that down, make a note of that okay. to use as a joke. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then start gathering material like that like i like i I didn't want to waste anything any idea and then sometimes also when you're in the middle of doing nothing like taking a shower washing your car or just doing like a task material or the fix for a joke the patch for a joke would come and then okay yeah stuff will happen be sure to write it down you just have to rewrite down yeah don't forget that patch yeah yeah (laughs) What is the success rate for a joke? I've interviewed comics on here who say like one out of 20 jokes they'll end up keeping. Do you I have a... I, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't do math like that. Oh, no? Yeah, who has time for that? <laughs> <laughs> but through how long you've been doing comedy, it's like, I don't know if you just had just sort of like a mental note of like, well, I know it's going to require me to write nah, because, X amount to because discover. Because jokes, each joke is different. Like there's jokes... I can't, I couldn't pull off back then that I could pull off now. Hmm. And I don't know why. So it's like sometimes you have to be mature enough or grow a little bit to do certain moves. It's just like sports. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, who was talking about? Uh, Michael Jordan was talking about he, he practiced dunking, couldn't dunk. And then in the middle of a game, he just fucking dunked. And then from then on, he could dunk. You know what I mean? <laughs> But he couldn't dunk the day before. Whoa! You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it just in the game, it just happened, and it just, and then it, from then on, he could just dunk. So it's like the, the time has timing. Yeah, I've heard you say that it took you ten years in comedy to like really lose the nerves. Now maybe even longer, but yeah. Wow. At least that. But that's just I just wasn't used to talking in front of people. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I'm nine years in, mm-hmm. and it's like. I'm still like just really crawling. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I f- I feel funny, but then when I look at people like you who have been mm-hmm. in the game even longer, it's mm-hmm. like there's just so much more. Yeah, don't measure. Don't ever measure either. Okay. Yeah, yeah, measuring is wrong. It's like, huh? Like, here you said this is a comedy class, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what comics do, and this is what I did. We overthink things. We get in our head, and we. Uh, we make this game harder on ourselves than it is. Mm. You know, just know if you first start, you're going to be terrible and accept that. You know, some people won't be, but a lot of people will be. So just accept that and that you're going to don't beat yourself up every set. Just you'll get better if you do. The main thing I would tell people is right before your set, listen to your set afterwards and then work on it after, you know, when you listen to your set, see what worked, see what didn't work, uh, uh, see how emotionally you did each joke. Because I go through things on stage when I tell jokes. Like, I'm like, 
shit, they didn't laugh at the last one as loud as I wanted to. So then that might affect how I tell the other joke. So then, then I have to be like, just get out of your head and be. So then there's moments in the set where I'm in different moods. And when I'm listening to the set, I have to take that into consideration hmm. and and how it affected the joke. Like maybe I put myself back in a confident mode and say, fuck it, just do your shit. And then the rest of the jokes work. So it's like, like pay attention to everything. Don't just like make emotional decisions and don't get into your head too much. And then just put in the work before the set, put in the work after the set, and you'll I think you'll get funnier faster. You know what I mean? By spending more time with the material mm-hmm. and, and it'll teach you who you are faster because you're paying attention. And uh just don't overthink it. Yeah, that's what I've learned in I know and you're gonna l- be inconsistent. That's a frustrating thing, that's a growth uh, yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah, like so even if you kill and then the same set doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who are the, the people you're in front of? You know, the, the audience matters sometimes. You know, like some people might not be into that type of shit. And you have to just keep going until you get funny enough to it. it mostly is stuff where you have enough material that you can do these jokes for this crowd and do these jokes for that crowd. So it's just a growth process. But do you make sure your jokes will work? Because like I'll do rooms where there's all white people and all black people, and I, mm-hmm. I want my jokes to work in both. Yeah, yeah. We, are you talking about like tailoring jokes to a room? Is that what you mean? Nah, but okay. if I'm in Atlantic City, and uh, and uh, a lot of crowds, like if you do the Laugh Factory in Atlantic City, okay, the, 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 all the hair on the audience is white, so. I don't think they want to hear a squirting joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so you might have to cut that out. But some people don't have a joke replacement for their squirting joke uh. because they're only been doing it a few years. Right. But if you've been doing it a while, as I'll do this joke that I don't usually do anymore, or it's, or I do do, but I wasn't going to do it tonight. I'll just do it now. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah awareness of the audience yeah and being fair to them yeah, not yeah. pandering but like yeah they're not gonna want yeah it's a joke that you wrote anyway that you like mm-hmm. but you just wasn't gonna do that night you, you just you, you can do it yeah and that process learning that process can require a lot of bombing yeah uh, what we i feel like every comedian i always ask all the comics like their most memorable bombing or like getting booed on stage uh-huh. or like is there one that pops out into your mind that's just like unforgettable uh there's there's a lot of them but one like talk about growing like when i started in new york i just wanted a strong 5 minutes mm-hmm. and then i got that strong 5 minutes and i'm from jamaica so that material was about me being jamaican there's a lot of jamaicans in new york it used to kill, like, from beginning to end. And then you'd, like, start getting respect and spots and stuff like that. And then uh, I got booked on a show in Philly, you know, at Temple University with some other comics. And then uh, I go out, I do my first joke, and that shit bombed because mm. there's no Jamaicans mm-hmm. in Philly. And then my next joke is about being Jamaican. So it's just, like, a thousand <laughs> people staring at me like, what the fuck? Is this dude talking about? Right. We don't know any Jamaicans or have any contact or context. And the third joke, and then they start, they, the whole, uh, this must be like 500 to 1,000 people that booed me. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Which is why, like, like, uh, but it makes you tough. Of course. It makes you tough. Of course. And sometimes on Twitter, like I made this video on my Instagram about uh, Ruiz losing that fight. He's a boxer. He Ruiz won. He beat Anthony Joshua, mm-hmm. and I made a video, like kind of in 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 my post. In my post, I gave Ruiz. He's an out of shape guy, and he beat this the most in shape guy ever. And I made I I gave him his props, but in the video. I, I still kind of clown his shape, you know, because it's like him being out of shape 
is the outstanding thing about the fight, about him winning the fight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, there's jokes in that. So then I posted it, and then All Things Comedy reposted it, but they they changed the caption to suit, you know, you know, because they reposted it. So then people don't see the part where I praise Ruiz, and they start mm. trying to shit on the video, oh, right? Okay. And I was like, hey, man, I don't, either way, I don't care. I've been booed. Like right. a room of a fi- 500 people mm-hmm. to 1,000 people told me I wasn't funny, and I didn't listen to them. So no matter what you say to me, you write your cute insult on Instagram or Twitter, why would I listen to you? Like, I'm immune. Mm-hmm. You know, so. That's how I feel with even, like, road gigs is I've mm-hmm. driven... 12 hours like yeah. up and back for a gig so yeah. now any other gig i'm like yeah i can go eight hours yeah yeah i've done all that like i yeah. risked my life to drive three ten hours to bomb and come back <laughs> on a snowy road i'm the only car with ball tires and there's trucks like swerving because they shouldn't even be out there much right. less me mm-hmm. and it's like good luck twitter didn't even exist then good luck y'all <laughs> Wasting your time trying to discourage me. That's what we like. We're just we're masochists, man. Not even masochists. I just feel like we know what we want to do. Like I know what I want to do, you know. So I'm just doing that. <laughs> Let you fix the camera. Yeah, I was just trying to. I think it's fine. Yeah. It just seemed a bit choppy. Because I had. Yeah. But um. We'll see. Do you edit it afterwards? There we go. Yeah, it was the the ISO. Uh, Yeah, yeah. This is a one man band right here. This is this is the hustle, man. Yeah, feel you. Yeah, we've done um, this over 180. This week was episode 180 that we just launched. So um, it was we had a we had Ian Bag on this one for 180. And he was talking about driving five hours for five minutes. You know, like it's just the stuff we do. Yeah. So what what stuck out to me when you're talking about that Ruiz mm-hmm. uh, situation was that you you almost like had a clear premise. You're like, it's funny because he's out of shape. Right. Do you fu- do you look for that in a joke where you're like, okay, if it has a clear premise, then I know I'm on to something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or sometimes I used to only write jokes because write jokes from write bits from a joke that I saw immediately, but mm-hmm. now. Then I mature to the point where this is an interesting topic. I want to have a joke about this topic. So let me sit down and figure it out. Because when you first start doing comedy, like uh, you're just learning how to write jokes. So you might not necessarily be talking about the things you want to talk about. And this is just, you know, for me specifically. But then I learned the joke writing formulas just from trying to just have material. You just get it from anywhere. You just learn how to write jokes and then you start applying it to personal shit because now you know the formulas you have experience and now you can write more about the things that you want to write about as opposed to just waiting for things to fall out the sky that that appeal to you that are funny so well, what are some of those formulas uh just misdirection and okay you know just the same thing about you know the the car you know, the accidents from home, like the surprise, like mm-hmm. the, you know, there's just things you, you can do. Like, even when I'm texting with people, I take a second before I respond. I was like, you know, somebody might say hi or good morning. And there's there's a, if you think for a minute, there's a way you can respond to it. Sometimes <laughs> I'll wait five hours to respond to a good morning text. And it'll be <laughs> five in the afternoon. And then I'll write back good morning. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Just because? Just because. Yeah. Because 5 p.m., <laughs> good morning. Uh, it's funnier than <laughs> all 10, for the joke. 10 a.m., <laughs> good morning back. You know what I mean? I love your commitment to the craft. Yeah, you just have to go back to sleep. That's all the commitment is. <laughs> and then wake up out five hours later tw- or seven, whatever the time is. Yeah, I started, I actually started with one-liners as well. Right. And like how I would do a one-liner is 
I would like have a setup. Mm-hmm. I'd explore topics to create a setup. And this was all like more surface jokes, just like figuring right. out how to be funny, you right. know, before yeah. even getting personal. But I would like have a setup and then be like, okay, what all is the audience assuming? What am I setting them up to think? And mm-hmm. then pick one of those assumptions and then like flip it. And that would be the punchline. Right. Is that how you would kind of dissect a one liner or how would you kind of get from point A to point B? Uh, like similar like that misdirection mm-hmm. uh say something shocking or just flip or twist like there's just a flip or a twist to anything you uh-huh. know and then you just look for it and or there's the the thing in the sentence that nobody's focused on but if you make the joke about the thing so it's like this you have the sentence that has this important thing but there's this one thing in it that nobody's paying attention to and if you mention that thing the joke is that thing hmm. because everybody is faith is looking at the end of the sentence where you know but you almost have to direct their attention to the end of the sentence well people's frame direct uh attention automatically goes towards like the most important thing in a sentence okay so you could make a joke about the least important thing in a sentence like because they don't expect it so then boom you know so do you have an example, a personal example of? A Not that I can think of right that? now. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was just trying to think of one as well. But um, I think maybe like my, my, uh, I talk about how uh, uh, Harriet Tubman, like I talk about news and how Harriet Tubman, the only good news I had recently was Harriet Tubman was the, is going to be the first woman on a twenty dollar bill, and then. And everybody applauds. That's a very important statement. But then I checked out a picture of Harriet Tubman. And it looks like there's still going to be a dude on a $20 bill. You know what I mean? Like, you start looking at other things. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That and makes sense. And that's like a simple thing about her. Mm-hmm. And then nobody would ever really insult Harriet Tubman. But if I insult her, then I can insult any race about anything because i've i've attacked one of my own uh right yeah so i'm fair you yeah know? like you have that joke about uh you know jesse jackson's yeah, i don't yeah. want to butcher the joke right. but it's like don't he, butcher yeah he's i <laughs> okay. love like anytime a comedian then the comedian has to correct you like verbatim no it's actually this <laughs> yeah, i had to craft that <laughs> but but yeah he's not a good leader because he hasn't ever been like nobody ever tried to kill him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so like how did how did that <laughs> That I was listening to that on the way here, mm-hmm. actually, too. Um, how did how did that joke kind of bloom into like a funny bit from like a thought? Uh, I, I I don't even remember. That's the mm-hmm. thing. It's like okay. the funny thing about some of these jokes is I don't always remember their origin story mm-hmm. because they start from such a place sometime, and then you you work with them, and they didn't become something, and then you just know how to say them and then you don't remember what you kind of went through to get to that point, you know? And then some of them I do and some of them I don't. Some of them, yeah, some of them I do and some of them I don't, to be honest. Yeah. So that one just kind of popped in your head. and Well, the statement I know pissed me off when, like, like I just felt like as black people were just like, so tell that joke, took years not because i tried to write it for years but just watching jesse jackson on the news uh-huh. for years uh-huh. and what white people thought about him and what black people thought about him and then you know through comedy maturity it just hit me the thought hit me one day you know what i mean yeah. so it's been baking subconsciously for a long time yeah and i heard george carlin say that a lot of his jokes he would like think them and then just let them tumble around in his subconscious for however long it took them right. to come back to and the then, front yeah because that's uh, and you had the example that he was standing next to martin luther king yeah the dude had a clear shot at him too and, and he just packed up the his rifle right. and went home yeah <laughs> so, and it's i said even and even jesse jackson been i mean even uh al sharpton been stabbed yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And you say Al Sharpton would be like if white people had Hulk Hogan yeah. as their spokesman. Well, spokesman. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what it's like having just the, uh, Al Sharpton as your leader. Mm-hmm. As if white people had a Hulk Hogan as your leader, your racial leader. Like, how would you like that? Because they these I feel like these leaders were appointed by white people for black people. So I didn't choose these oh. people. 
yeah. Yeah. What if I gave you Hulk Hogan as your <laughs> racial leader? Yeah. 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 And it's funny. I, th- I like you saying the Jesse Jackson thing. It pissed you off. So there was like an emotional interest in the joke. Yeah. So that's yeah. probably why it had because longevity. I felt at one time Jesse Jackson was a, a good leader, but the 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 last few decades it's all about the money. And then I know some people that worked for him too, as they confirmed it. And it's like this is this is a sham now. This guy's mm. just yeah. So I can't stand behind that. Then you can make it a funny bit. Yeah. And it boom. Yeah. And just get my little opinion out there. Yeah. <laughs> you can tackle these topics, and I think it is important, like for comedians to like have be interested in your material, but like starting out is it just about learning how to make anything funny or would you recommend like comedians starting out to start from like what are you interested in and build from there i I feel like people can just do whatever they want there's no there's no one way to do it you know true but at first i just wanted to have material for me you know Mm -hmm. so then anything that i thought was funny and 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 to be honest i haven't really changed that much material wise you know what i mean it's either something personal something social something still silly you know like a combination of the three things maybe there's more but that's all i can think of right now and you are a tag machine like watching you here Mm -hmm. in atlanta this weekend but then also just being a fan and watching you it's Uh just you will beat a bit to death you'll just tag 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 Mm -hmm. like how (laughs) It's it's almost overwhelming. You're like, wait, he's still going, <laughs> and then you're like, okay, there's okay, he could end it here, and then you build on it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you know when a bit is done? Just performing it over a period of time lets uh-huh. you lets you know. And then that's another thing. Like I told myself, I realized one time, like when I thought I had jokes that were done, I'm like, who says this is done? Like if I say it's done, it's done. But if I leave it open. I can always come up with something. So even if I have a bit that's full, like I still say it's never done. It's never done until you shoot it in a special and then you can't use it anymore. Uh, yeah. 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 And when you we're talking about turning one liners into stories, like in, into bits, yeah. Yeah. How is it how are you able to like kind of stretch it out in Because you just because the the one liner is a one liner, mm-hmm. but the it's also a topic. So what else is funny about this topic? So then you can look up the topic or just write down funny things about the topic and then then you start like growing it, you know? Gotcha. And then you put one part there, one part, and you make it uh you 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 put the it in an order that that a beginning, middle, end of a bit, you know what I mean? So like a story. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of have like we start here and we mm-hmm. end here. Yeah. And do you like your bits kind of like in a sketch like there'd be like an arc, like an emotional arc or like a story arc within your jokes? If one happens, yeah. You don't overthink it to where yeah, I got to yeah. start but it's got to end here. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How does it compare to like you writing on all these like amazing TV shows? Mm-hmm. Cuz that's that's why you got out of it also because it was taking away from stand up and right. you're like, "Hey, I'm I'm funny on stage too." Right. And you, you, but I was doing both. You always been doing both. Always been doing both. But then the industry just sees you as a writer, Mm -hmm. even though you're doing both. Like I'm performing all the time in LA, like at the laugh at the improv and the comedy store. Yeah. So then they don't see as a comic. And then I have friends, they're on the road, they're freer, they have more time, they're making more money than in a writer's room, even though, you know, so that they, you know, I'd rather do that and be free and travel and see the world and, have even more of my own schedule. I mean, the writer writers rooms will pay. Yeah, I mean, they I think do. The little rel you said was like it would have been nine grand a week, and yeah, you're yeah. like, nah, I'm gonna yeah, do stand up. <laughs> like, there's, I'm at the comedy store where like Theo Vaughn is going to Australia and selling like thousands out. Tom Segura, Rogan, and and I'm definitely not at that level. Like, I'm losing money right now, but like I can I can see any anything that I've set my mine too i've done so i'll i'll just keep going and stand up and do that yeah and a special coming out yeah that'll help and mm-hmm. i'll trying to get the material together to do another one already yeah, yeah yeah like half the material in the set you saw last night is new and the half of it is from the special which hasn't aired yet 
and I'm just trying to keep writing and push the last half out. Mm-hmm. Like the set that I'm doing now, it's it's the best mediocre set I can do because <laughs> everything is not cooked and baked. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're getting you're the best <laughs> of my mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about you're writing a new set, like do you sit down and write every day or are you talk in the mirror every day? Like are you disciplined like that? Uh, there's, there's times when I am and there's times when, I, when I'm not. Mm-hmm. But uh, like when I say about comedy is simple, it's like, think of it like this. If you write, if you sit down to write, you know, I used to like try to write whole bits. And, and it's frustrating if you have a writing session with yourself or whatever, if you have people with you. It's frustrating when you don't come up with a whole thing. But here's, here's how I simplify comedy. It's like, if you write a new tag or a new joke every day, or a, a, a new joke or a tag to a existing joke every day, right? There's 365 days in a year. By the end of the year, you'll have 365 funny things. Mm. So then people don't beat yourself up. You know, just when you sit down to write, come up with one funny thing. You can keep going and come up with more, but don't be disappointed that you didn't write the world's greatest bit in one session. Right. Yeah. You may write 10 sessions and not have anything, and then that 11th is like, oh, I just found three things. Right. Or, yeah, or, you know, if you, if you get one, yeah, it's, it's just, by, you know, just, just do it. Sit down and do it. Right. Yeah. 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 I think one of my favorite writing quotes is Chris Titus said he hates writing but loves having written. Right, right. He's like, you always feel better after. Right. But it's showing up. Yeah. You're just like, ugh. But then someone like Mark Normand, he talked about on here, he'll just talk for an hour. Mm-hmm. So he's more of just vocal. He'll just stay what in his hotel what's and it, what talk. Is, oh, talk to himself? Just talk to himself about right. whatever the topics are. Right. And then pull bits from that. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like an insane person if I'm staying at home just talking. It's like talking in the mirror. Don't talk, you know. Like, if you're writing this talking, that's mm. all it is but mm. with a pen, you know. You're having a conversation, like like I say, I get jokes from having conversations with people. Yeah, you know, it's like if you have nobody to bounce it off, you just. That's why sometimes I'll just bounce an idea off a con- just to have something, you know, to come up with something. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's we're always looking for jokes, but mm-hmm. it's like, is there, is there like a trigger where you're like, this is worth pursuing, and not just because we'll we'll be like, this is hilarious, and then as soon as you're saying it on stage, you're like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever thought. Like in the middle of a sentence, I'll just be like, I don't even know why I'm gonna finish this sentence. This is dumb. I mean, sometimes it ha- it's it's like that, just, yeah. and then sometimes it isn't. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the beauty is that you know this is dumb. That means you learned comedy. Right. You know what I mean? And you, you know better as opposed to the person that doesn't know. Because mm-hmm. you've seen the comics that don't know what isn't, what isn't funny and they keep doing it. And then that, that's a learning curve deficiency. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So knowing what's not funny is a, is a mark of comedy. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that perspective. Yeah. So with, with you jumping into stand-up and you're really getting into your special because it's, it's, it's a unique format. You're going for here and like it's with all these specials coming out and saturating the market mm-hmm. we're at a point where even someone at your level of funny right. is like me being like knockout funny just isn't enough right right so like what what was your kind of approach to you can tell people what the special is as much yeah. as you want i'll i'll wait and i release this when the special comes out as well though just right. so it's all in the same time so if you want to say anything about it then um as if it's already out. But like how many ideas did you go through before you landed on this one? Or like what made you decide on this? And like what was the whole thought process around me standing and just being funny is not the move on this one? Well, I just wanted to maximize everything. Okay. And I wanted to there's so many specials, so I definitely wanted to do one that got people's attention more than just a regular special. So I just chose like a you know, I just thought it would be funny to do it as a TED talk mm-hmm. and talk about things that they would never allow me to do on a TED talk. 
So it's just like just adding another layer of funny to what's already there. Mm. You know, so you know, just being standing up there with the whole setup and being an aficionado on bullshit like talking about hoes. You know, <laughs> you know, with a thing in the background. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with a screen in the background and you know, just doing it that way. What made you think of that? Or did you I have other know. ideas or it just came to you? Yeah, it just came to me. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then when I started telling people like Burr and those people, they were like that they're like, Yeah. And Al Magical's like, Yeah, that's funny, you know. Yeah, because Burr's producing it, right? Yeah, yeah, Burr's producing it. All things comedy, Al Magical, Burr, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool that like all things comedy is like this grassroots comedy network mm -hmm. that is now like someone like Comedy Central is like, hey, will you come? Yeah, Comedy will Central wanted to, comedy to buy Central? them. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I think they did, yeah. A few people wanted to buy them. I don't see why not with people like Bill Burr and Al Madrigal behind yeah. it, like at the helm. You mm -hmm. know, it's kind of, that seems to be where the industry is headed though, or the industry is where it is kind of like people just making having self-made success mm -hmm. and then all like all like the networks are trying to just latch on are you seeing that yeah that's what comedy is anyway it's like it's like uh like if you go back to dane cook right like dane was doing comedy for a while he was killing right and then it wasn't until like he went into a meeting and went on the computer and logged into his I don't know if it was his Facebook or his instant messenger at the time. It was my he was on MySpace back MySpace. then. That's how he blew up, yeah. Yeah. But but people logged in. He he had a a meeting where I don't think it was even MySpace at the time. It was like maybe it was Messenger on MySpace, but he would log in and all these people would like start talking to him. And then the 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 agency or the, the studio, whatever he was, saw like, oh shit. And it's like, you know, you, you now you're gonna give Dane a special and movies because he has these millions of fans and you want those fans to come to your network. Mm -hmm. So you give him a show, and then so that's what comics are doing. Like they're doing their podcasts and they're building. Like Mark Maron was dead in the water, you know. He'll tell you, and then he started the podcast, and all of a sudden, because of his subscription, the amount of people that like subscribe to him and was listening to his podcast, he has gave him value and then all the big people come in, they give him a TV show. All right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you know, and now he's on it. that TV show's over, he's on another TV show. Like he probably could have auditioned for what was it, the wrestling what's the female wrestling Glow? Glow? I think on Netflix, yeah. If he'd he's a good actor. He's killing it on there. But he might have auditioned for that as Mark Marin without the podcast. And without the TV show before, and they gave it to somebody else mm -hmm. with more credits. But because he's Mark Marin, and he has credits, and he's also good. Because sometimes in Hollywood, you could kill a role, but now it's like, we'll give it to this other person who, if it's a tie in the audition room, they're going to give it to the person most likely with the more credits. Yeah, of know? course. So now, you know. So all this shit helps, like to, to, to build your own thing. And it's promising for, especially comedians. I I love being a comedian because it's like, we were like a Swiss Army knife in a sense, where we yeah. are the writer, editor, director, yeah. actor. Yeah, I edit my podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, I find the clips on it to post online. You know, I posted it after I posted after I shoot it, and I post the audio and the video on Monday night you do you do all that yeah but i go into all things comedy to record it to record it and uh -huh. they send me the the audio link and the oh. video link and then i do it take it from there wow yeah that's in, yeah i mean here it's all yeah mm -hmm. it's all you saw yeah yeah like it's you said swiss army knife yeah yeah it's we used to just only have to write jokes now you got to be on twitter mm -hmm. find a post to post on instagram then have your podcast put shit on youtube it's like this. This is not the lazy job I was hoping it would be <laughs> when I first started. Yeah, <laughs> thought I was going to be sleeping. Right. Yeah. 
You're like, oh no, this is a job. It's yeah. like the show is a job, but then the business is also yeah, a yeah. job. Mm -hmm. So with creating your own like success and I've, this is, I mean, I've thought, you know, I have mm -hmm. ideas for like a pilot, but mm -hmm. ideas are a dream until you put them to work, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like in putting together like a writer's packet that you're so versed in and to maybe pitch to people or just to have, if someone's like, Hey, I'm so-and-so what else you got? Cause it's never enough just to be a stand up. You're like, what else you got? So like, if you have a writer's packet, what all goes into a writer's packet? Well, that, that's kind of like a confusing question, like a okay. writer's packet. Like, like, what do you mean? Well, when you when you apply for writing jobs, you <laughs> send them a writer's packet, right? Well, I send them what they ask for. And every show, depending on the type of show, asks for different things. Okay. So if it's a sketch show, you know, then before I used to do a lot of sketch shows, so I had sketches. Some that I wrote to apply for the job and some that I had written, that I was paid to write for other sketch shows. So whether they use them or not, that goes into the sketch package. Okay. So I, so I always had a sketch package for a show. And if it's a variety show, like a late night talk show, I used to write up-to-date Twitter jokes that were political and stuff. So if that, you know, like say a, late, a new late night talk show happens, they, they, they send you, hold on, Bless you. Thank you. They send you a list of what they want. They like want monologue jokes, desk pieces, okay. sketches, you know, whatever they ask for. They, like, they'll ask you for four different types of things. So then I just go to my Twitter, get the 10 latest jokes from there. That would be my monologue, you know? And oh. then so I wouldn't have to write the monologue. I, I, like that, that part would be taken care of. Then, you know... I'd have des then I'd have to create desk pieces, I desk piece ideas based on their specifications, mm -hmm. and you know then the other segments I'd have to create stuff based on whatever they ask, and then maybe there's I'd have stuff from another package that I sent in that I could still repurpose or reuse in that. So and then for a sitcom, you know they want to see a sample of like. Uh, pilot that you wrote or a sample of another show that was on the air that you wrote and it had to be like back then you had to th there was shows that were hot and they wanted to see a sample of specific shows so oh, you had to like okay so by like when Seinfeld was hot they wanted to see a Seinfeld spec and then they wanted to see a Kirby enthusiasm spec after that and then now I think it's, it's more personal shit like like it's more uh, you just a speck of some shit you wrote. You could be, I'm, I know people that wrote plays and got a sitcom job from, or a movie. They submit a movie idea that they wrote, you know? Okay. Yeah. And spec just means like you wrote for free, right? Yeah. So yeah. spec means pretty much. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're also looking, f and you went to like directing school. Yeah. So you're like, you're almost getting away from writing and you want to become almost like the the puppet master you want to start pulling more strings in the Ian Edwards what do you mean brand like if you want to become a director you want to start doing movies or like what is cuz what I what I liked about what you said earlier is you mm -hmm. said whatever I put my mind to right. I've achieved mm -hmm. and I've been more mindful of that this year in terms right. of like setting a high bar right. and like actually working towards it and not right. just like eh, whatever will happen right right it'll be fine what is mm -hmm. is but like having a, a clear vision and having ambition uh -huh. is something a lot of comics may lack. Um, so it was cool to hear you. I put my mind to things. I achieve them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what are you putting your mind toward right now? Uh, to build in this road thing into like mm -hmm. the good road, like if you go somewhere. The good road. <laughs> yeah. The good, there's, a, there's a, there's a hard road and there's a good road. Uh -huh. I want to get on the good road. Go, go in town, do a theater, you know, instead of doing six or seven shows on a weekend or, or just doing some good solid rock club one-nighters and sell them out you know and get in the door and building that into theaters and maybe more i don't know if i want to do arenas i think that's just too much have you but done those with joe rogan have you done any of the arenas shows he we've does? done we've done like three thousand seat theaters and, sh uh -huh. and st shit like that that's that that's like manageable and then i i went i did go with tosh 
and we did like some 6,000 seat places. Like, Jeez. and then all of it might not have been full, but it's, we, even Tosh was like, why the fuck am I doing this? It was so, really? Yeah. And I'm like, haven't you done this before? He's like, but then after you start doing them, it works just like a club the way they set it up, you know? So I, I see why comics like Kevin Hart ends up doing a football stadium because he grew into it. Mm-hmm. But still, if you're just standing on the outside looking at it, it's like, I don't want to do that. It's you too much. Oh, it's like overwhelming or? Yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Like, how do you get everybody to listen? Oh, right. You know? You're not just thinking sometimes, about the check. <laughs> Sometimes there's people talking. There's people talking. The Laughing Skull is like 90 people, I think it holds. Yeah, I think maybe the max, 80 or 90, yeah. Yeah, so, and you can't always control everybody in there. Right. So, imagine like 50,000 people in a football stadium. Yeah. What a like you you perform in front of eighty at Laughing Skull and it's like when you have that room rocking like mm, yeah I mean you'll be buzzing afterwards yeah, I exactly. can imagine eight thousand you must be on just like straight drop I mean like how high you are after that set yeah just I'm just glad I made it oh <laughs> <laughs> made it through oh they would would be yeah Ooh. yeah hey, how long have you worked with Tosh uh maybe like four five years yeah he's kind of a mysterious character in comedy like he's he has a successful tv show he has killer specials but he's kind of off he's just still kind yeah, he of doesn't off. do interviews he's or, off on his own yeah 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 yeah. what is what is he like he's just he's just he's a funny guy he's fun to be around yeah yeah okay. he's hilarious yeah likes to joke around he loves sports yeah it's just it's just a fun guy gets to have some good weekends just doing shows and just clowning, yeah. He's a comedian. He's a comedian, yeah. Yeah, he's not like above it. He's just maybe strategic in how he presents yeah, himself. Yeah, because it's like, in a, it's like if you do an interview, somebody could use some shit against you. He's like, he's already successful. Like, what does he need to be? He's he's where he wants to be. He's doing exactly what he wants to do. Right. And he's not being pulled by the lure of something else you know what i mean mm-hmm. and he's enjoying his life and living it the way he wants to live it and that's the thing you know, just you know i think he follows his instincts you know what i mean and that's what we just need to do that, that's all comedy's for first of all if you're a comic you're following your instincts because you're taking an l you're taking an l from tra- like you're not going the traditional trajectory of life to get what you want, you know, but you're being called by your inner self to do something and you're taking a chance to do it and you know that you're not going to have like the things that society tells you that you should have, like a job and financial security at first. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the the promise of it is what you are listening to and the fulfillment of it. You know what I mean? So, like, while you're in it, don't stop listening to your instincts and don't get pulled off course to do some shit within it that you really don't want to do. You know what I mean? So, following your instincts may be like not taking a job just for the sake of having a job. Yeah, yeah. It's almost just embrace the struggle can you uh, expand on that no it's it's not even just not taking a job it's like 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 a simple example one time i went to this meeting okay and then the guy gets on the phone in the middle of a story i'm telling and uh it was a meet with a big agency i just like i guess won the nbc comedy competition or something i forgot that the diversity comedy right yeah and this guy's on the phone and because it's a big agency, I stayed till he got off the phone, finished the story, which he wasn't paying attention to anyway. And I should have just left that fucking meeting once he got on the phone and mm-hmm. walked out. My instinct, like I, my instincts, tell me I would have won. I would have got his attention, and he would have gave me the respect, and I would have probably been with that agency. But because I'm like waiting for some guy to finish some fucking phone call, you called me to come into this meeting in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I just wanted it so bad i wasn't listening to it i'm like this is wrong like if 
I did got on the phone when he was talking, he would have like ended the meeting. So just leave. Say, hey man, I'm you know, don't have to be leaving a mean way. I'm say, hey man, this is isn't as important to you as I thought it would be. So I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know. But when it comes to following your instinct, I mean, at some point, especially in comedy, like I mean, you need money to like live. Yeah, yeah. You do. I've done. I've done it. You, you, you. You'll make a short-term sacrifice. You'll take yeah, the yeah. short, yeah, like, the low-hanging fruit just to get you to the long-term goal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's why I didn't know. But then there's far. a point when you have to be like, no more low-hanging fruit, or else you, because some people end up doing that and they go off track it takes it's like it's like it's like when you're walking down a path and there's a so say it's if you stay on the path if it's five miles to the next apple right but on the side of the path there's an apple tree so you walk up to the apple tree and you grab an apple you can go back to the path or there's an orange tree you go over to the orange tree and the avocado tree, and then you're ten miles off the fucking path, mm-hmm. as a, and just, as opposed to just you could have gotten to that five miles on the path. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So you just gotta watch out for that. But it's also knowing like you want an apple tree. Like it's knowing your vision. Like you said, mm-hmm. whatever you put your mind to, you accomplish it. Yeah. So as part of that, like knowing, okay, I know where I want to be in this amount of time, so I'm going to do whatever it takes for this amount of time. I, I don't to even get know there. if there's a timing thing on it. Okay. You know what I mean? It's just, I just think if you're listening to your instincts, you'll always be happy. So time doesn't even really matter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you're not doing some shit that you don't want to do. You're doing the things. If you're doing the things you want to do, why wouldn't you be happy? And it doesn't make sense not to be. And that's the thing is that people don't know what they want to do. And that's another simple thing. Like first, before you do anything, figure out what you want to do. If hmm. you what you really want to do. You know what I mean? Did you have that vision when you started comedy of like where you wanted to take your comedy career? Yeah. And you're living that? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, for the most part, I wanted to. I mean, overall, than anything, I just wanted to laugh and have a lot of fun. Okay. And as long as comedy is affording me that, I'm on the right path. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, when I was a kid, I was watching Magic Johnson, like, not just play, but in interviews. He'd be laughing. He'd be smiling. Like, damn, that guy's having a lot of fun. I would like to have that amount of fun in my life. And then through comedy, that's what I'm doing. Like the people I hang out with, late night in diners, we laugh, we joke, we just we just be rolling. You know what I mean? After a set, mm-hmm. and so you're doing comedy, and the people you meet are funny, and you're having a good ass time. And you, you, you might not have all the money in the world, but what's better than having a good time? Like for real? Like what is like on, like such a good time you couldn't even pay for this shit? Yeah. Yeah. And you're talking about hanging out with like the Mount Olympus of comedy. Yeah, like, yeah. You're hanging out with the like yeah, exactly. top comics in the world. Yeah. Is there anything you've learned from being around that caliber of talent or any other like lessons or just how they operate or how they think that maybe you could share with the audience? Uh, just I, I know a lot of the good people at honesty, like the funniest people at honesty has gotten them, you know, they're, they're bringing their honesty off stage, on stage, mm-hmm. has gotten them to where they want to go, you know? So it, it's different for everybody, especially, like, generations have changed. So it's like whatever's going on with the new generation or newer generations, you know, whatever, just whatever you follow instinctually. Like, there's so many different ways shit works. It's like me saying what I picked up doesn't even really always necessarily apply to what's going on now even though i'm in the now you know what i mean but it could trigger it could trigger whatever you learned may not apply specifically but it mm-hmm. may trigger another like inspiration yeah i would just like one. the guys i hung out with like patrice and burr Gosh. and keith robinson and just other people they would just and there's so many other people they were just the most successful ones of them they were just 
honest about who they were. Like Jim Norton is uh, honest, you know, his comedy on stage is just honest, you know. And then like David Tell just works hard, you know, it's just just keeps writing, you know, and just keeps going. So you know, that's all I that's that's specifically what I've learned. Yeah. yeah. Well that's this has been uh, awesome, man. Oh, you've you've cool. taught us a lot here. Did did you enjoy it? No, not at all. You hated it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like this whole interview, you were waiting for that punchline. Like you'll wait all day for the good morning text. Yeah. You're like, I just can't wait to tell this kid this how much sucked. I hated this interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hadn't done that many interviews, so I was happy mm-hmm. that you were willing to sit down and like share the time. So I really appreciate good. it, man. I'm just yeah. fucking. With you. I had fun. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I can't even tell. Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. got to tag it. Well, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. No, I mean, yeah. maybe I will never yeah. even tell you. Yeah. Maybe I'll not even let you release this. Yeah. But as we, uh, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want the world to know? Uh, special comes out in Comedy Central, midnight, July 12th, which mm-hmm. is technically July 13th. But Friday night, July 12th, midnight. Check it out. And if you don't see it, then... Go to Comedy Central. Check it out online. Follow me on Instagram at Ian Edwards Comic. And uh, my website is kind of functional. IanEdwardsComedian.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so go there, you know. And just have fun. Enjoy your life. Trust yourself. Boom. That's the, uh, that's the big lesson. Mm-hmm. Hot breath of verse. Trust yourself. Trust your instincts. Yeah. Put in the work, though. Mm-hmm. Put your mind to something, mm-hmm. and then you can achieve it. Like uh, Mr. Edwards here. Yeah. Starting out in comedy, he was like, one day I want to do a podcast mm-hmm. in the lobby of a hotel. Mm-hmm. And now we made it. So and sometimes you, you, know, you, make, you get sidetracked <laughs> you doing things you don't want to do. <laughs> this, this is the apple tree yeah. on the side of the path. Yeah, yeah. This is the orange Instead tree. Instead of the one on the path. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well if you did enjoy this episode and you found it helpful reach out to ian personally let him know that his time off his Mm -hmm. path was well spent and you did learn Mm -hmm. a lot from him Mm -hmm. because that is all we're trying to do here in hot breath is just learn from the most successful comedians in this game so and this week you chose me and we chose we we took a side path on the show to interview ian we took a little side next week he'll be Talking to some about successful comic. This was really just to get to Tosh later. Yeah, so yeah. He, Ian's the conduit to Tosh yeah. and Joe Rogan. So guys, <laughs> just stay with us. Basically, bear with us. Yeah. No, dude, I'm a fan, man. No, I feel you. I, I'm a fan. Yeah. It, like, I'm not mad at that at all. Just, I mean, you're right as a comedian and watching your writing and just mm-hmm. seeing your success not only in the writers' room and then now. What really inspired me is you're like, I'm not gonna take that nine grand. A, a week job because right. I want stand up to be like my identity now. It's right. like that's way That's cuz I thought stand up was my identity but people just, you know. So now you have to let them know, no. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. I mean that hasn't I mean you just made that decision not long ago. You know right. it takes time like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got to bake. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's going to happen, man. No, trust me, I know. Especially after this. I would this. be doing it. Yeah, especially <laughs> after this uh, sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> so if you did enjoy this, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit us up on all of our social media. Share this with people that love comedy. That's what we're doing here. So spread the message of comedy. Hot Breath Podcast is the website if you want to support us directly and get some merch. And support Ian Edwards and all of his endeavors to making stand-up his new identity. Oh, yeah, there you go. I like that. Would you, um, for the Hot Breath verse, just look at them and let them know who you are and why they should listen to Hot Breath podcast? Uh, my name is Ian Edwards, and uh, listen to Hot Breath because you might learn some shit. Not from this episode, but <laughs> maybe from the other episodes. All right. All right. Ian Edwards, thanks for being a Hot Breath, man. All right. One. Woo. All right, Hot Breath verse. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. If this podcast has been helpful to you and you want to show support to it, go to hotbreathpodcast.com. There's a cute little donate button at the top with a heart. You can click on there. No donation is too small, but it really would mean a lot to me if you did show your support of all the work we've been doing here to bring you a weekly guide to comedy mastery. And... If you would like to sponsor the podcast, go to hotbreathpodcast.com as well. There's a contact form at the bottom. You can send a message to me directly. Let me know what kind of service or event or product, whatever you're trying to get in front of the Hot Breathiverse, I want to help you make that happen. So 
hotbreathpodcast.com to show your support and donate, or let's partner up with a sponsorship. Doing this podcast has been so rewarding, and it's because of listeners like you that actually listen to the outros. So your loyal hot brethren and sistren. Of course, thank you to my wife, Erin Byers, as I thank her at the end of all of these episodes. And until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.